Welcome to, well, that fucked me up. It really did. A podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And each week we're going to be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing events. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Which is flipping awesome. Yeah. Because we're all about that. We're all about listening to people's stories about adversity and trauma and, and crazy stuff. I think there really is something for everybody. There's many, many topics, many, many guests, people that really have got through uh, some extraordinary things. Please share the love, share the show, get in touch, follow us, subscribe, click. We're trying to make it easy and open for people to discuss things that may normally feel tricky to do so. Um, We've been on an extraordinary journey and we're glad you can join us. Enjoy the show. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up with your hosts, Luke. And Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Luke. How are you doing? Good. You're you're sort of in your little white sort of multi-angled studio, it looks like there. It looks like you're an architect. It's nice. Yeah. We're joined today by our guest, Jean-Marie. Hi, Jean-Marie. Hey, how are you guys? Excellent. Thanks very much. Kyle, how are you? You all right? I'm amazing. Great. This is very good. That's good to know. And you're calling from Brooklyn. I am. Yes. The wilds of Brooklyn. What's exciting is when I've been to one of these places, because most of the time when we have guests on, they mention parts of America that I have no idea whatsoever where they're talking about. (laughs) Kyle will be like, Oh, yeah, I fell in a lake there, or I uh, crashed a car into a tree there, or something. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely partied in Brooklyn. You're a little there you bit, go. You're a bit glitchy, yeah. Kyle, on my, on my, when you talk, which isn't ideal. All right, hold on. Let me fix this. As much as I love to see your beautiful face when you talk, you might need to take the video off. Um, so, uh, Jean-Marie, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to meet you. Um, now... Uh, our podcast is all about people that have experienced some things, uh, one-off things or a series of things. Um, we like to call it surviving life-changing events where something maybe just completely out of the blue happened or something you weren't expecting happened or could have been a childhood situation that happened or stuff that fucked you up when you were a kid or more recently. Where do you fit into that multitude of categories? I mean, I feel like the day we're born, we start getting fucked up a little bit, right? But <laughs> Yeah, we do. That's how let's just, let's I just feel. own our shit, right? Yeah, that's how I yeah. feel, yeah. Yeah. So I loved when I saw your thing. When did you start getting fucked up? And I was like, what day specifically do you want me to? Like, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, in my most uh, recent adult life, I had a, a massive injury. It's now about 12 years ago or something like that. But... Um, and that knocked the wind out of my sails like it was nobody's freaking business. But um, I tripped on a subway step in the step one. Oh, shit. And I oh, broke my, my kneecap in half. I <gasps> tore off all the ligaments. And it was Christmas. Uh, Christmas Day? <laughs> Christmas night. Get the fuck out of Perfectly here. Perfectly safe place to be in Penn Station. Christmas night. Oh. There's no one around. Um, and there was somebody ahead of me. Here's the quick, quick story. There was somebody ahead of me on the stairs and it was only he and I in the stairwell and you could hear the train kind of coming. And I had bags in both my hands because it's Christmas and he started to run 
And you know when somebody's moving, like take the sign, right? So I started to hurry up and I tripped and I couldn't put my hands down. So I put my knee down, the step one. And somehow I still got home because I was like, I am not going to an emergency room on Christmas in New York City. So I got home and the next day I found out I was fucked. (laughs) So did you, how was the pain at the time when you did it because that is a massive massive injury a snapped <laughs> kneecap is giving me the heebie-jeebies just saying that yeah again. yeah it's a crazy injury and what's really crazy about that injury is that and you don't know it obviously when it's happening to you you get the like instant white adrenaline rush of like what just happened but you don't feel it when you stepped up interesting it's when you step down interesting. the minute that your leg has space it leaves space for pain, which I didn't know. Um, I learned on this exciting adventure. Yeah. And so I didn't know how bad it was until I was almost home. And to get out of the subway on the other side, you have to take a step down. And I took a step down and I could see my apartment. And I was like, I don't know how I'm getting there. Uh, so you kind of reactivated the pain with whatever that movement was in your knee. Oh, that's absolutely horrendous. And you know, um, Gosh, it's interesting. You know, when we were emailing and you were like, I had a horrific injury and I wrote back, yes, <laughs> great, <laughs> which is terrible. But And it's so funny because Kyle's not on video, but his um, freeze frame is this great big grin on his face. But we're always laughing <laughs> because they make for great stories, but they they can absolutely completely fuck everything, can't they? They completely and utterly stop you in your tracks in life, in your plans, in your work, in everything you were doing. So tell us about the moment where, well, how did you get home, firstly? So a cab was coming. Mm. And I made myself, you know, I'm a woman in New York City. I know how to look really pathetic if you have to (laughs) in a moment's notice. So I (laughs) looked really pathetic. And I I opened the cab door when he stopped because he was going. Like, Mm. he wasn't stopping Mm. until I looked really like I was going to cry, probably because I was. And I said, I live right there, Mm. but I just fell Mm. and I can't get there. Can you bring me there? Mm. And he was like, yes. Yes. And then I got out of the car and he was like, Merry Christmas. Here's the best part. I lived over a porn store at the time. Porn stars are open on Christmas. Of course they are. So, So they came out. And literally, like, watched me go up the stairs on my ass and then carried my bags up. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. I was like, thank God I live where I live. After my family was like, you're living where? Yeah. So there was no... Do we send them a casserole? Like, what do we do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do you you send them? I don't know. Go on, Park. Was there, like, like swelling or was there... (laughs) Like, we're into the gore. Yeah, okay. Kyle used yeah. to. Used I mean, to be obviously, the... it's winter in New York, so yeah. you don't, you can't really look at it. But like when you got home, you looked at it. Like, what did it look like? Like, Kyle wants the detail. What do you think it looked like, Kyle? Like a bruised banana? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't. It literally just looked like my knee and a little pink. Mm. And I, oh I literally hopped around my apartment. I literally like. You know, it's New York, right? So it's tiny. I took all the bar stools and I lined them up so that I could scooch Mm. along my apartment (laughs) to get to the restroom, which is up a step. And when I came down the step, I was like, motherfucker. So I love that I can curse on your show. Oh, yeah. And and I got some um, peas out of the freezer, as you do. Mm -hmm. And 
laid down on the couch and put it, put the ice on. And when I woke up again, that's when it looked like I had a baboon's head attached to my leg uh, and it was purple and questionable. Uh, and I was like, that's the size of fruit. That's like, what that's Kyle not- wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. That's the, what Kyle was waiting for. Cause Kyle yeah. used to, Kyle used yeah. to work as a and the, first responder. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say Kyle used to work as a first responder in the ambulance. So he'd always tell me, Oh, this happened or check out this picture. And I was like, listen, dude, I don't do that for a living <laughs> yes. because yes. I don't oh. want to see that stuff. So don't show yeah. me. Don't, I want to see it. Yeah, you're like me. You're like me. I date a surgeon, and he he'll say to me, "Guess what?" And I'm like, "I don't want to." And next topic. <laughs> next topic. And and we just laugh about it because you know I have too um, vivid an imagination for to be shown pictures like that. Like yeah, same. what will Horrendous. happen in my imagination is probably worse than whatever happened Co- in real life. Correct. Same. So please, I'm getting. So back to the, um, so back to your, so this is, wait, so this is the next day. So how did you sleep? And also, were you just thinking, oh, I'll sleep it off and it, I've just banged it. And were you drunk, by the way? Is that too I was not, so I grew up in a dry family. Ah, okay, got it, right. And I, here's the funny thing. I came home and I was like, well, maybe now I need a drink, right? Mm. But then yeah. I thought, well, I have to call my family tomorrow to come pick me up to take me to the hospital. <laughs> That's so. right. Yeah, but not, let's not do that. Great. Wow. Um, yeah. So how did Catch you sleep 22. with the pain? How did you sleep with the pain? And then at what point did you think, hold on, this is, there's a problem here? Oh, no. I knew the minute I came out of the restroom and I was like, that's two. Mm. I'm definitely screwed. Mm. And I, you know, I'll tell you honestly, I, uh, that day, all day, my family was asking me, I used to work with the Muppets and I did a lot of things in puppetry and in wow. entertainment. I, I still work that. in puppetry. Wow. Wait, what? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was getting ready to go to London to shoot a film. And my kneecap hit that step and I was like, there goes London. Oh, like, fuck. like I knew that that was the result. And the ironic thing was the entire day, my family kept saying, why don't you sound excited? Yeah. Like, this is awesome. You and knew. I was like, it is awesome, but I also need a break. Like, I'm ready to get ah, off the ride. Interesting. And had I just listened, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the universe took care of it. Well, the universe sucks yeah. though that it's sort of like you busted kneecap that'll stop you going to London. Yeah, now what you're gonna do? Yeah, but I, I with all, with, yeah, yeah, try going to London now. But with all these things, which I'm sure is where you're heading, is um, mm. it's that whole thing about things happening for a reason and 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 knocking you off course. And at the time, it feels like well, what the fuck has just happened? This is a complete nightmare. But things come kind of full circle. But we're jumping ahead. So when <laughs> when's the when's the hospital? Surely there's the hospital at some. So, so the next day, the next day we went to the hospital, and I grew up with a with a ill parent. And so I spent a lot of time in emergency rooms. So I knew like that was not happening. Mm-hmm. So I called my mother that night and my brother mm. with the, everything's okay. Mm. Phone call. Yeah. And they're like, mm. you're calling me at one o'clock mm. in the morning mm-hmm. and you've been home for an hour. It's Everything nice. is not okay. It's nice to just start <laughs> and I'm with like, that, I though. just want you to know that tomorrow shoot for it, mm. but one of you needs to come and get me mm. and take me to the hospital. In the meantime, I was doing research. When you say, how did I sleep? Mm. First I researched which hospital I wanted to go to. Mm. Because if I'm not going in an ambulance, I can choose, That's right? That's true, yeah. So, and yeah. I thought, so cute. I thought the hospital was going to send me home. Uh, I thought they were going to say, like, oh, we'll schedule you. Yeah. They were like, no, this is an emergency. I'm yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. 
So they x-rayed the knee and they, it was just, it was, it was broken. Yeah. Before they I mean, even x-rayed me, the guy said, stand up. And he moved a couple things around and asked me some questions. And he said, so if I asked you, would you guess that you broke your kneecap? And I was like, probably. And mm-hmm. he said, why are you smiling? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, I am positive. This is not the worst thing that will happen in my life. Wow. And I'm good. Mm. Whatever this is, I'm good. Mm. And he just looked at my mom. My mom's like, I don't, I don't know how she mm. got like this. Mm. Like, I really wasn't panicked mm. because I just felt like I can breathe. I can see. I yeah. can, you know, I'm hobbling fine. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting. So, Go on, Kyle. Well, I just, I want to like, sorry to keep going back, but you had mentioned that <laughs> you wanted a break. Oh, I got and, it. Like, <laughs> don't think I didn't see the irony. Yeah, but like, if you don't mind, like, what were you wanting to break from? Were you just yeah. life in general or work or? Yes. I, um, <laughs> I felt really p- privileged. I know that I was really privileged. Um, you know, I, I was working in a really fun area. I had a very high up position. I lived in like, you know, the sex in the city neighborhood, right? It was like for a girl who was making real, weird, weird choices, I was making them right to everyone else's eyes. But what I wanted to do was go write a play or go work in a food kitchen for a little while or like just kind of get back down to center. I I felt like I was on Mr. Toad's wild ride and, and it was good. And I know how to ride that ride. Like I, I'm not complaining, but I knew that I was so far on go Mm. that it had nothing to do with who I was anymore. Mm. And I was still showing up in service to other people and in service to the creative vision and asking all the questions. I was doing the thing that you do in Hollywood when you're, or Broadway or whatever, when you're there legit. Like I was doing those things. I was earnest about it. But I just wanted to go write a play, (laughs) you know, and sit in a corner for a while. Yeah. And three people who I worked for had keys to my apartment in case I needed something. Like, that's, get out of my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, isn't that amazing how, how, it, yeah, but it sounds like it it needed to take something of that gravity to actually stop you. Because I think, I mean, I'm, it's similar, I mean, congratulations on that career as well and the puppetry and, I mean, that, all that stuff's amazing. I work in TV, film and TV and, mm-hmm. um, and when, when you're in it, it's, you sort of you don't realize how much you're in it, you know, and I have to take a lot of tech steps back just today. Uh, you know, I couldn't take any calls and Kyle's calling me and I was like, dude, I am drowning. I'm drowning right now. And we've got a podcast recording and I mean, grateful to have all this amazing stuff in my life, you know, yes. but you know, projects and then this, I'm just gonna have a break when this one finishes. There's a new one. I'm going to take that new one. Cause that sounds amazing. And I go, Ooh, you know, but you then, can't, you can't take them all you and you can't. can't say yes to them all. And you're can't. not doing them or you service when no. you do that. No, And I'm very aware of that. I coach and the people that I work with, that I mentor, that I whatever consult with, I will say that to them. Yeah. But I grew up in scarcity. And so I had that scarcity mindset. Yeah. You know, like if I don't say yes. Yeah. Are they going to come back? Like I work in puppetry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that those opportunities are diamond in the rough, but yeah. I also know I can make a job happen if I want it. Yeah. Like, write the show. You yeah. want to be on a show? Write yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Isn't that amazing? So I got off the Mr. Tool. Well, I got knocked off the ride, but I started writing again. 
Interesting. I love that. Well, Kyle's, you know? Kyle, we're talking to Kyle's heart here because Kyle was a, an actor and then that didn't quite work out how it was meant to work out. And then him and I started writing some things, but we also started this podcast and I, I don't think any of us are in a particular rush, but you know, things are, hap- you know, not, things are happening that are just not on the trajectory of the path that either of us thought. And he, we both needed our lives to go completely sideways for us to meet. Uh, at a little, at a little junction where we were getting our shit together, and that's how we met each other. And you know, and this is a really lovely journey that we're on. And we meet people like you who have been through similar shit. That it's trying to put perspective on all this stuff that happens to us, right? It's trying to get your head around it. And what you said, it's funny that you had that mentality in the hospital. I've injured myself. I don't know. I've had like probably fifteen major bone breaks. I've yeah. dislocated my hip. I've broken my wrist three times. I've, cr- I've cut a hole in my shin. So I used to no, skateboard. You used- said you weren't going to go I used to skateboard for like 20 years and it got to a point where I was like th- flinging myself off like rooftops. And then, oh, look, my ankle snapped or my bone's broken again or this is the, there's a chip in my wrist and there's a piece of bone floating around in my arm and all, all sorts of stuff. Do you stuff. have enough calcium? <laughs> yeah, it, now I do. Yeah, apparently I didn't when I was a kid. But by the way, a couple of these breaks have been in the last two or three years still skateboarding with the children. You know, it's like I can't, I never learned my lesson. But um, yeah, whenever I used to do, whenever I used to do something, I was a bit similar to you. I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, I know this feeling. I've fucking broken my broken my arm. And then I just I'd wait a night and I go into hospital and I'd be like, I've broken my arm. And they'd be like, you sure? I'd be like, mm-hmm, yes, done it before. I know the feeling. And then they'd be like, yeah, you're right. There's the crack. I'm like, cool, you know idiot anyway so um to tell us about how that veered you uh, in which direction and what happened after that and what what did you what did you what did they need to do to a a broken knee yeah so I um I love when you're like I broke this I didn't know I broke anything I thought I'd like tore meniscus (laughs) because I had never done anything like that and I was a skier and I was like ah everybody's gonna get one right Mm. But no, I broke the kneecap in half and I also tore off all my ligaments. Right. And so they weren't just repairing the kneecap, but they needed to repair my ligaments. And they used some, um, it's so weird talking about this with people you've never met before, but they used technology that was eight people out of the legal limit that they have to tell you that this is new equipment. Oh, wow. Got it. Yes. I love that. So my body rejected it. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. But you have to have it in you a year before you can say that it's rejected oh, in God. order to have the surgery to take it out. Get the hell out of here. So I had to walk around, and I already spent, I don't even want to tell you, I was in debt. I had saved money to buy a house at the end of this London thing. That's what I, my goal was. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to London and there's a reason, right? Like mm. I'm going to go, I'm going to serve them. They're going to serve me mm. back. I'm going to mm. have a place to live at the end of this mm. and never pay rent again. And instead I left this whole journey, $80,000 of debt wow. because that- they would, they would take it out, but I had to pay for all the physical therapy. Yeah. Oh and my God. And then, and I wasn't walking right because I had been compensating for a year. Mm. So now my hip, I, yeah. I named my hip B. Arthur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because that bitch is screaming at me all the time. But, um, and then I still had to have another surgery because my body, I'm like a super <clears throat> healer and I was overachieving with scar tissue. Uh. So they had to 
go in and break that up. So I basically had like the baboon's head on my knee for two years. What was the thing they put in your knee that your body rejected? It was just, so usually it's like a copper wire that they kind of wrap around like a figure eight and they just pull on the wire and it gets tighter. Right. 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 And I was like, I get that. Well, this was like a cage technology. And when they pull in the cage, it would suck in. Right. And, um, but it was the kind of plastic that my body was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? There's, um, there's a, uh, a documentary on Netflix called The Bleeding Edge. And it's all about America and the patents around um, medical devices and how if your medical device is based on an existing medical device, you don't need a new patent if you're a pharmaceutical company to start putting it in people's bodies because it's an upgrade of something that exists, which is disgusting. So what it means is that there's a whole bunch of like Johnson & Johnson and I mean, I'm we're going to leave this on the podcast. No, they're going to come for me. There's going to be some men. I'm in divesting there. as you speak. Just keep giving me names. There is a, yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, they invented a hip uh, joint, which was uh, off the back of an existing board and socket idea. They didn't need a new patent, but the materials they'd used, what had happened was is that they, um, over time, were turned to mulch and lead would go into the people's bloodstreams, causing dementia. So for oh a my decade, God, that's so, great. so for a decade, people were being oh diagnosed with dementia and dying until somebody joined up the dots and realized all of those people had the same hip, new hip socket from the same hospital that was being tested. And then they put two and two together and realized that this thing was killing people. And the people mm-hmm. that were saved in time, where they took this, this thing out. The dementia went away and they made a full recovery. So those people died for no good reason. Mm -hmm. They were poisoned. Congratulations, American pharmaceutical companies. That's a different podcast altogether. My listening is, the listeners are going down, aren't they? Or up, one or the other. I don't know. (laughs) Sponsorship is changing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't, not too sure we're getting a big pharma sponsorship on this. It doesn't seem like the right thing. Um, okay. So, so that's horrendous. It would be fine if it happened. Weird as well. So two years of this recovery not working, the overcompensating for a year. And then they took this thing out finally. And then did they have to put a new thing in? Sorry, Kyle, you go. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, so you were active too, right? Oh, yeah. I was an active person before. Oh yeah, I was the person, this is what I kept telling them. You need to understand that my my favorite thing to do at work is to drill holes in couches, right? I ran this big company, I did all this big, you know, spreadsheets, all the shit, but, and I, I could make things and everything, but my favorite thing to do was to drill the hole in the couch on the Tonight Show for Kermit to put his arm in, right? Like, that was my favorite thing to do. And to do that, you have to be able to crawl under that. Mm. Oh, and they shit, kept saying, maybe you, you should retrain. Yeah, oh my god. Maybe I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh my god. I would get, like, physically angry. I used to go in and sit on my hands while I talked to them, because I was like, I if I could move quickly, I would take you down. Like, yeah. it was just so insulting. So I started finding sports doctors and physicians that worked with dancers and that understood what I needed physically, which wasn't what it seemed like I needed on the books, you know? And yeah. once they got that, I had a really great team around me, but I had to pay cash for them because my insurance company just felt I should sit and type. Of course. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool that you don't, you've never even talked to me. You don't understand anything about me, but you're yeah. getting entertained by me, by the way. Yeah. 
You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy because if this happened in London, it would all have been taken care of. Well, Kyle, just to just to um, clarify, it would all mm. been taken care of, but you know, N- NHS being free doesn't mean NHS being quick. Like it's an amazing thing. But there's a priority system there. So you could very well have, so a good example is my mom is, she needs, like let's say she needs a medical thing done and she needs it soon. Well, she's 79. So she gets to the back of the line because, you know, and then eventually she makes an appointment and it's seven months in advance, just to wait for seven months. Then she gets the appointment and just the day before they move it for another five months because there's been a backlog that they need to clear. And then when she finally gets there, that's great. But then they give her, send her to another doctor. So while it's all wonderful because it's free, it's, it's very long and drawn out often. Very, very long and drawn out. Um, what's incredible is yeah, I- emergency with the NHS is extraordinary because the ambulance will be there in a second. They'll take you to the hospital and they'll fix you or they'll try and save your life or they'll keep you in. And, you know, but at the end of the day, there is that whole sense of, okay, you're kind of good now. We need the bed. Off you go next, you know, because it's, it's free. It's, it's not, it's not a business like it is out here. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. So what's next for you? So I, yeah, so I, I ended up writing plays again and doing stuff and it was great. I have worked on a TV show since and, you know, I've done all that stuff still, but it really started leading me towards, um, being part of things that were more centered. I'm not done with TV. I would never pretend that Mm. I would not pretend that I'm done with the theater. That Mm. would be a total lie. Mm. Um, I'm working on a new project right now just because I want to. But I've been coaching and I wrote a meditation book over this time. It took COVID to really, it's funny. It wasn't my knee. My knee was like, you, you didn't listen to yourself. (laughs) But it took COVID to be like, so what are you going to do now? Yes. Really? Yes. Like really? Like this time, could you mean it? And I got COVID right at the beginning. Right. Before, oh, wow. when we were told oh, yeah. to wash our hands and stay three feet away. So yeah. I, I did what they told me to do. You just lie. Don't you want to hear me drop F-bombs? That's what it's going to be about. Like, I want to know where the class action suit is for the federal government because mm. I'm there. Yeah. Like, because now I'm a long hauler. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, I am not ready to be back on a TV set mm. because I have to be functional like highly functional for 18 hours in a row. Yes, of course. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I max out at four. I have to, every four hours, I have to stop looking at this screen. Wow. I have to have silence. I have to literally let my brain reset or I get migraines. Wait, because of the COVID? Yeah. Get out of here. So Holy all the things shit. that I said 15, 20 years ago I was going to do, I'm doing now mm. because it allows my body, the life my body needs and mm. my spirit is getting what it needs because my body needs to re to shut down every few hours. So Excellent. it's really interesting how that, that thing mm. that I was like really, and I really do mean I will join a class action suit in a heartbeat <laughs> about it because you freaking knew to wear masks. So why didn't you just tell me? Totally. I would have done it. Yeah. But, um, but regardless, I am grateful because I've had so many stops and starts in life that I knew, like, you know what? This is a big one. Yeah. This this is actually big. Like, yeah. the other thing wasn't big because you could figure out another way. Yeah. But this, when you have to stop every so many hours. Yeah, that's like, crazy. before I got on with you, when I said I'm in a rush, 
it was really because I needed to shut down for 20 minutes. What, what's the prognosis with the long COVID situation? Is that, is that, do they, I mean, I know they don't know because it's new. Is it, yeah. is it forever then, do you think? I don't, they don't know. Oh my God. I, I know somebody who just went eight weeks with no symptoms oh. and I thought that was very encouraging. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like, and again, like this is definitely my mentality just as a person. I've come so far from where I was initially with the COVID that if this is how the rest of my life is, so I need to sit down for a couple minutes every four hours. Like we should do that anyway. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. And I'm a, I and I don't do that at all. I just keep running around like a headless chicken. And then I'm like, oh, and how's that working? I've got an hour thing I'll put this thing in the hour that I've got available because then I can do more things you know it's completely crazy you need me to coach you yeah, <laughs> apparently I do yeah I need lots of, need lots of coaching you gotta unwind that whole thing what I'm working on it trust me I mean it, sure. I am aware of the um, I am aware of the uh, running around the circles to try and not have to deal with a whole bunch of things but then I am quite good at sitting in my own still these days and getting good there getting there you know so how's the knee is it recovered and is it completely Um, full can you run can you i i can run can you kneel can you do your job could you could you do your puppetry again then i can do it all i wouldn't say getting up from kneeling is the prettiest thing you've ever seen but i do it um and you know like i said i named my hip so i look forward to like replacing that by 50 but outside of that i'm good i um Part of my training, so I climb uh, inside buildings for uh, multiple sclerosis every year. Oh, and very good. That, that was part of my rehab. I was like, I have to climb by this state every year. And so now that's how I know I'm okay. Like, mm. you just climbed a skyscraper. Mm. You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not pretty, yeah. but it happens. So, um Let's talk about, just to wrap up then, let's talk about your coaching and, and what that looked like. And, yeah. you know, because I guess that that's a whole new career. That's a whole new life change now. Yeah. And what do you, it's used. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you, yeah, go on. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that it, it it's basically channeling all the skills that I was using before. So, you know, not the hands on, I want to make things skill, but I can mm. do that elsewhere. It still uses the analytical thing. It still uses that asking important questions. It's still listening to what is the essence of what somebody's saying. What are they really getting at? And what's mm. really important here? Because sometimes we talk for an hour, but really all we're worried about is this one thing. Mm. So being able to drill in with somebody to that one essential thing is no different to me than working with a playwright or, you know, putting up a, a, a film. Like to me, you're getting down to what's essential and making sure that that's the narrative. So I work with people to help them craft their new narrative. Interesting. Kyle, Kyle, you should be crafting a narrative. Actually, Kyle's crafted a narrative. Kyle's just got his realtor license. He starts on Monday. That's exciting. Awesome. And so there's strategy there. No, all joking aside, like there's na- there's a narrative that you're doing every day and there's a strategy, right? Because you have to make sure that you're in touch with what that person needs, but you also know what you need out of the deal. Yeah. So it's all the same skills to me. It's all transferable. We lost but anyway, so when it comes to coaching, I think it's a lot of the same skills and it's just, it's just being flexible and being present. And, um, and I love it. 
I love it. I love being able to be of service to people. And the bonus is that I still want to write at the end of the day. Yeah. I still want to make things where when you're doing it for somebody else all day, which is a privilege at the end of the day, you don't care about your own vision. You're too tired. Yeah. It's very, now I can, I can say this is my schedule and these are the hours that I write and this is what's going to happen. And I can actually manifest it. I think, um, I think we speak to, um, you know, lots of our guests have had big U-turns in careers or they've quit their big job. And I think financial worries and burdens is a huge thing for people because I think a lot of our guests, not this isn't a criticism, but a lot mm-hmm. of our guests will be like, well, that all sounds great. But like so many people want to get out of the rat race. They want to quit. Mm-hmm. And I know yours mm-hmm. was kind of sort of semi-forced upon you with what you had to go through with both the knee and then the COVID, which is a total bitch, you know, but it, people are, I, I mean, funnily enough, I'm what I've always been employed, always, for 30 years. I've had four jobs wow. and I've stuck with them all for seven, eight, nine, ten years. I'm a very loyal worker and I quite enjoy the security of that. Mm-hmm. So it does take a huge leap of faith. Um, and I think a lot of people are a bit like, well, you sort of have money saved up. Or like, what happens if I jump off the cliff and <clears throat> nothing happens there's no lake at the bottom i just hit you know concrete and that's the end of that from a financial standpoint it's quite a scary thing right totally i i always um figured well i can temp mm. i know how to answer phones mm. i'm trained as an actress i can be whoever you want me to be mm. i used to work for one guy that i tempted in a hedge fund when i was um recovering with my leg and the big joke there was that I was only there for the food and because they gave us three meals a day I had a corporate gym like yeah. so I have to answer the phone who cares yeah but I would answer it like a different person every time <laughs> and my boss that. was like could you please with the and I'm like listen I don't mess with your family and I don't mess with you that's hilarious but outside of that like I have to stay stimulated here mm. So, but there was money, right? I had a 401k for the first time and I don't even know how long. Yeah. I wasn't making what I wanted to make. It wasn't my dream job, but I was able to get better and I was able to write a play. Mm. I produced three shows sitting wow. at that desk. Wow. One was off Broadway. Like, yeah. so I think you have to be willing if you do go belly up financially, which that's what happened to me, but not because I didn't have the safety net. I chose. Mm to put the money into my body mm. because I would have that body the rest of my life. Of like that was a choice. That's interesting. But I knew, okay, well, if this, if I don't get better fast, then I need to do something yeah. simple yeah. and I need to get humble and that's it. And so I just got humble and practical about it and it sucked for a while. So what? It's interesting because many people could have, it's inspirational because many people could have, you know, you bust a knee and then you say, well, fuck this. This is what life's given me. What a total, you know, and many, many people like would turn to painkillers and get depressed and I don't know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I kind of feel like that's might might be where, where I go. And then with the COVID, you're kind of like, come on, you know, didn't I go through enough? <laughs> and and it's the opposite for you. And I, I, I'd say the same goes for Kyle and I in that. COVID came and that's when this idea came about, which was like, well, if we're at home and we have a bit more time on our hands and we don't need a studio and guests to come in every day, why don't we do this thing, you know? And, yes. and it's, it's been a real leap of faith, but also it's been brilliant. And, a, and it's, I think your stories are kind of an inspiration to people 
that just making something better than what you had before out of what appears to be a bad situation. Yeah, it's interesting. I During COVID, I started these meditations, daily meditations online. And I'm not like a big ohm girl, right? You'll hear me say that a million times. I'm not. I'm never going to be in a corner for an hour. Like, no, it's not going to happen. But will I take a couple minutes to literally say, this fucking sucks, blah, 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 blah. Wait, what's good about it? Mm. Let me take a minute, find my breath, get centered. Totally. Mm. And so I started putting these meditations out online and they took off. Mm. So I ended up writing a book during COVID about meditation. Did I ever, and I always yeah. knew I'd write a book, yeah. but that is the last thing I would think it would be about. Yeah. That's amazing. And, isn't it? and the meditations are never more than a couple sentences. And if you oh, don't like good. it, turn the page. Yeah. That's really clever. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You didn't like that page. Yeah. Oh my God. I survived it. And so did you. Well, Jean-Marie, this has been an absolutely wonderful episode. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll make sure there's links in the show notes um, when we go live with your episode, which will be while people are listening to this. So I always say that, which is ridiculous because they'll be listening and they, we will be live with your episode. But we'll have the show notes on there. And then thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. This has been wonderful. Thank you. It was really nice to meet both of you. I hope I meet you in person in La La Land one day. We're here. Yeah, or New York. <laughs> Woohoo! Done. I'm here too. Ha, ha, ha.